morning and welcome everyone. Happy Independence Day to you. Um, for those of you who are here online, we are also glad that you're here. Um, if you want to have a private prayer, there's a uh, request prayer button on the side and we have hosts that are willing to chat with you. So welcome to you too. And I just have to say, this is such an amazing day. God has been answering prayers. We have all kinds of positions uh, filled in for the church, and God's washing the air with the rain, and we can get rid of some of that smoke. Can I hear a amen? Awesome. <laughs> so I, I just want to say, um, I'm also excited. Today is Communion Sunday, and it there's nothing that thrills me more than to praise our God and thank him for all that he has done. And I, I get a chilling thrill when I think about the day that Jesus comes back to um, get us and take us back with him. And at, when I worship, I just love to think about seeing his face and honoring him while we're still here waiting for him. So if you'll join me in worship by standing or spiritually thinking of standing, I don't know. Um, here we go. Justice shines like the sun in 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing forever mine 
will be forever mine. You are forever mine. Amen. You can be seated. This morning we have an opportunity to come together as the body of Christ to celebrate um, communion. So we just want to encourage you. We celebrate Open Communion at Springbrook. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, we want to invite you to participate in communion with us this morning. If you have any questions about what a relationship with Christ looks like, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. Uh, but this morning we come together to, to remember Christ's saving work on the cross on our behalf. When we read through scripture, the word remember is really an important word. It shows up over 350 times as you read through the Bible, over 550 times if you look at the derivatives of the word remember. And some estimates are when you look at the derivatives that it appears almost 1,200 times. So the word remember is an important word as we think about the redemptive work of Christ in our life, the redemptive work of God, redeeming his people in a lost and fallen, broken world. And so remembering is important. So you can, uh, this morning you can think about the word remember. There's many events I'm sure that come to your mind when you think about remembering. We all have uh, remembering, uh, I remember the birth of my kids. We were talking to our worship team this morning, remembering our baptism, remembering when we got married. And, and so we remember typically, you know, in our culture from an event perspective. But when you read through scripture, remembering is something that, that's more participative. It's not just about an event, but something that you're participating in as you remember. God says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you, and I'm going to give you a sign of a rainbow that I will never destroy the earth again. And so when you see the rainbow, you remember God's covenant. So you're, you're participating in that remembering. It, it's not just an event that we remember that God had done or accomplished, but something that we're participating in. And so remembering from a scriptural perspective is participating in something together. And so communion is important. One of the reasons why we participate in this together is because of what it means to remember we're participating in communion. We're not just remembering Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We're participating in that together as we celebrate what his death and his resurrection means for us. And so in just a few moments, we're going to invite you to make your way to the front to, uh, to collect one of the communion elements. There's two cups, one with cup and juice. And so you can take those back to your chair and, and take communion. Uh, as the Lord leads, you know, if, you, if you have difficulty you know, getting up from your seat, if you need somebody to bring communion to you, you can just raise your hand uh, and they'll bring it to you this morning. But let's take some time this morning to, to not just remember Christ's saving work on the cross for us, but, but to remember what it means for us as we participate together. We're experiencing the hope of our salvation today. It's something definitely to celebrate. It's an opportunity for us to evaluate our lives as we think about living in the light of a holy God that loves us and wants a relationship with us. And we can encourage one another as we participate in communion together. Jesus was with the disciples at that last supper. He lifted that bread up and he broke it. He said, this, this bread is reflective of my body that's going to be broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And then after he'd finished supper, he lifted the cup up and he said, this cup is reflective of my blood that's going to be shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to participate in communion together. It's one of the blessings of who we are as the body of Christ, living in light of the reality of Christ's death and his resurrection and what that means for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this time that we could come together this morning to, to celebrate communion together. God, thank you for who we are together as a tangible reflection of your body. You know, Jesus is the head of the church, and we are knit together in such a way 
that God, that people can be drawn into your presence in this way. They can see testimony of your working in their lives in this way. And, and so we celebrate communion together today um, as, a, as we remember together what his sacrifice on the cross meant for us. I pray that you continue to increase our faith. We look forward to all that you have for us. We commit this morning to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So feel free to make your way to the front during this next song, and then uh, we'll come back together in just a few moments.
Jesus, you are so good. And you have washed away our sins with your own blood and made us white as snow. We can't thank you enough. Oh, Lord, it is such an honor and a pleasure to worship you. Thank you for everyone who's here. And I just pray your blessing upon us all and that you prepare us now for your message. That we will have open minds, open hearts to hear what you want to tell us today. And that we will leave today keeping you in mind, remembering you, and remembering all the good that you bring to our lives. And even better, the promises that we can look forward to that you have given us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are here with us today. And if you uh, made your way uh, here online this morning, we're glad that you are here. I know many people are watching from vacation, from their campsites. <laughs> so we're glad you're with us online as well. We're glad you're here. Uh, you get extra points for coming here on Fourth of July weekend in the rain uh, for being with us in person. But we are so glad you're with us today. You've got a connection card that's in your chair, and I just want to encourage you to take that out. Uh, you can put your first and last name on there. Let us know you're here. That'd be fantastic. If you're watching online, there's an online connection card, or you can just text your here uh, at Springbrook to this 844-238-7507. That's our new Springbrook number that we are able to engage with uh, people that are watching online, people that are part of our community. And so if you just want to text your here or scan that QR code, you can do that um, as well. But we are so glad that you're here with us to celebrate uh, the Lord's Day. I wanted to let you know that we have our new uh, quarterly Bible reading plan bookmarks out at the uh, Ministry Center counter. I know there's probably you know, 50, 60 people that have signed up to read through the Bible together this year. And so if that's uh, something you stepped into doing, uh, we want to just encourage you uh, in this journey. It's never too late to start reading the Bible, so you can jump right in right now. <laughs> but uh, we've got new bookmarks for the third quarter that's going to cover uh, July, August, and September. We'll have some new ones for the fourth quarter. But it's been really encouraging to see how many people are reading through the Bible together this year. Um, we have a new uh, Bible reading plan that we're going to launch uh, starting in July and August. It's a, a 30, 45-day a Bible reading plan. We're going to be looking at what it means to be on a journey together. And so if you want to sign up for our Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app, uh, you can do that on our website, on our app, or just go to uh, springbrook.org slash Bible plan. You can sign up for that. We're looking on a breaking trail. It's a, it's a, uh, the imagery is, is that we're on a hiking through the trail together. We're, we're following Jesus together. And so uh, I started the devotion uh, yesterday. Looks like it's going to be fun. So if you want to do that together with others here at Springbrook, you can sign up uh, for that. And then also, summer's a great time to take advantage of that Right Now Media subscription that we made available for everyone. There's some great reading plans on there, some fun things you can do with your family. And so if we can encourage you as we move through the summer, please let us know how we can do that. And then, uh, guys, we have our men's power-up. Men's gathering is going to be coming up on July 17th. Uh, the third Monday of every month, the guys are getting together to, uh, to study the Bible, to encourage one another. And uh, if you want to know more information about that, you can sign up for that. In fact, we have three men's small groups that are meeting through the summer as well. We've got uh, probably about 50 guys plugged into uh, small groups right now that are encouraging one another, studying the Bible together. So some of our couples groups are still going through the summer. Uh, but if we can uh, help you get connected relationally as we move through this uh, season, I uh, would love the opportunity to do that. I was talking to Deanna Brandt this morning, and I understand we have 60, almost 60 women, 60 ladies have signed up for our 
uh, summer study that's going to be kicking off in uh, two weeks. And so, ladies, if you signed up for that, I know you're going to have an encouraging time together. And so we want to do everything that we can to make sure that you find a place to get connected and build relationships here uh, at Springbrook. So if there's anything we can do to help you with that, uh, please let us know. And our student ministries has got some summer activities uh, scheduled. If you haven't downloaded our app or if you don't get our weekly newsletter, I would love the opportunity to help you stay connected here as we move through the summer. Just let us know how we can uh, help you with that. We're kicking off a new series today I'm excited about. Pastor Tim's going to be out uh, in just a moment. Uh, we're glad you're with us today. As I get a little bit older, I find that I'm becoming more forgetful. I don't know if you, any of you feel that same way, but it shows up in a lot of different areas of life. For example, uh, sometimes I will be out and about, maybe coming home from a meeting, and my wife Lisa will give me a call, and she'll say, hey, on the, on the way home, can you stop by Walmart, because we need a couple of things, pick, pick up some bread and, and, and some milk, uh, some eggs, and uh, uh, grab a sack of potatoes because I, I, I want to prepare uh, them for dinner. And so I'll, I'll say, yes, yes, dear, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll bring them home. And so I'm going about wrapping up whatever I'm doing. I uh, drive home. I remember to stop at Walmart. I go in. I walk in the store, and I think, what do I need? And after standing there, kind of, and the greeters just sort of looking at me, wondering if I'm actually going to come in or not. But uh, after standing there for a few moments, I'm like, okay, all right. So, so I'll go on, I'll pick the things up and, and uh, get everything, check out, jump in the car, go back home, uh, set them out on the counter when I arrive home. And almost without fail, Lisa will walk into the kitchen, see it, and say, um, you forgot the eggs. Ugh. You know, it's frustrating when you forget because, well, if you forget something like that, that means you've got to go back to the store again in order to get the eggs. But there are other times that we forget, and it can be kind of, kind of irritating. See, uh, my, my son, Ben, some of you know him, he's come into the second service, don't mention this to him, but... Um, uh, sometimes, sometimes on the way out in the morning, I'll say to him, now, uh, now Ben, um, uh, before you play video games this afternoon, you need to tidy your room. Yes, Dad, Dad, yes, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it. And, um, and, and so I, I go out, I'm working for the day, I, I, I come back, I walk past his room, and it is as much as a disaster as it was at the beginning of the day, yet I hear him playing video games. And so I got to go down and say, what did we talk about? He said, what do you mean, Dad? What do you mean? He said, before you play video games, you're supposed to tidy your room. Oh, I forgot. My kids are probably the only ones who do that. I recognize it. But, uh, so maybe it's not just a matter of age. 
But while forgetting can sometimes be frustrating, like when you forget something at the store, or irritating when you feel like you've got to repeat yourself over and over and over again, it can also be kind of embarrassing. Like when you show up to church and you're in a conversation with somebody who you've talked with so many times before, and you forgot their name. But it can also at times be dangerous. Like if you find yourself driving down I-90 at 70 miles an hour, because that's the speed limit, and you forgot to buckle your seatbelt. There are a whole bunch of different areas in which sometimes we find ourselves forgetting, and that can be frustrating, it can be irritating, it can be embarrassing, it can even be dangerous. But as we kick off this new series in the New Testament letter that we call Second Peter, we're going to be studying this together over these next few weeks. We're going to see this morning that it can be a dangerous thing in the Christian life when we become forgetful. In fact, I would imagine that each and every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that your desire, that your, your passion, that, your, that, that you are pursuing a kind of life in which you want to be fruitful, you want to be effective in the things that you do, but as we're going to discover together, that the great danger of forgetfulness as we walk out this life, in Christ, in the midst of this world, is that when we forget, when we forget, we become, uh, we become unfruitful, we become ineffective, and we find ourselves in, in a sense, a precarious place in our faith. If you have a copy of the Scriptures with you, I want to invite you to join me there in the New Testament book of Second Peter. Uh, I have the privilege of uh, opening the Scriptures with you, not only this morning, but for the next six weeks. If you've been here at Springbrook for any period of time, you know what I'm going to say next. Bring your Bibles, because we're going to look at it together. Second Peter, beginning in chapter 1 this morning, in verse 1. This letter begins with these words. Simeon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, before we even go into the main portion of our passage this morning, uh, I, I want us to, to dwell here for a moment. Uh, as is customary in the letters, or what we call the epistles of the New Testament, this one begins with the introduction of the author and the audience to whom he's writing. And we're told here that, as the name of the book suggests, uh, that this is written by, by the Apostle Peter. And as he writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he identifies himself as Simeon Peter, as, as both a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. But before we go any further, I don't want you to miss this. Notice who he says he is addressing this letter to. 
because if we, if we miss this, then, then we can be in danger of making excuses that the whole rest of the book doesn't apply to us. It says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I mean, if you think about that for a moment, that is staggering. That is life-changing. Because here we have the great apostle Peter, you know, the leader of the 12 disciples of Jesus, the guy who gave that, that, that Pentecost sermon, and, and thousands came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he say? I'm writing to you, regular Christians, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Now, some of us grew up in traditions in which we, we kind of had these venerated saints, uh, these super spiritual heroes of the faith who had gone before, and so we, we kind of looked at them, and, and uh, uh, my life could never compare to that. Often, in our own hearts and our own minds, we, we look around, and maybe even sometimes as we come to church on a Sunday morning, we kind of size one, one another up a little bit, and we, 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 we tend to think, Oh, wow. I, I, I could never be like the pastors who are up on the platform. I could never be like that person who serves in this area. Uh, they're so much more spiritual than I am. And we buy into this idea that there is like this, the, these first-class super-Christians, and then there's everybody else. But as Peter starts this letter, he says, I am writing to you I'm writing to uh, believers at large. This is what we call one of the general epistles because the audience is general rather than to people in a specific locale. To you who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Because you see, as he explains here, it is not about your spiritual resume. It is not about how many Bible studies you have attended. It is not about uh, what particular gifts you have. He says here, you have an equal, a faith of equal standing with ours because it is by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is that none of us have any righteousness of our own that we need a righteousness that is greater than our own. We need a perfect righteousness because all of us have sinned before a holy and perfect God. And so none of us will ever be able to stand before this holy God and say, here I am, Lord, look at me. But rather, what we could not do for ourselves, God has done for us in sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, as the Apostle Paul says when he writes to the church in Corinth, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are clothed and dressed in the righteousness 
of Christ. And you and I have a faith of equal standing, of same footing with the Apostle Peter and every other believer in Christ. Let me say, if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never experienced the salvation that is available in Him, it is not about you cleaning your life up. It is not about you attaining some level of kind of like spiritual accomplishment before you can come to Him. Today is the day of salvation. Today, Jesus Christ stands ready to receive you and to welcome you and to forgive your sins if you will turn to him. But why did I stop here? Because the rest of it doesn't make sense to us unless we understand who we now are in Christ. So he goes on. Beginning in verse 3, he says, His divine power. So we're talking about the divine power of of, of God and and, uh, of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So he starts off the main body of this letter here, and he makes this, this incredible declaration. And what we need to understand is quite simply that in Christ, we have everything we need. In Christ, we have everything that we need. That's what he, he means when he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, sometimes, as I'm traveling to various different places around the world, encounter situations where the so-called prosperity gospel has infiltrated churches. It's no gospel at all. It's a false message. And, and, and in those kinds of environments, when they read a passage like this, they're quick to say, oh, uh, uh, God wants you to be rich. God's granted you everything, so you get a Mercedes-Benz, and you get a Mercedes-Benz, and you get a... No. That is a cheap lie. Because this is a promise, this is a declaration that is far greater than that far more glorious. It says that the the very power of God has granted to those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are, are followers of Christ, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of Him. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, let's think about these words here a moment. Well, life we're more familiar with, but godliness is not one of those words that we use as frequently as perhaps generations gone by did. So I think it's often helpful that we think about what godliness is in terms of its contrast. Uh, The contrast to godliness is worldliness. And worldliness is when we allow the agendas, the priorities, the patterns, and the pursuits of this world to be what we are chasing after. We are, in a sense, formed by those things and conformed to them. And therefore, godliness is when we allow the agenda, the priorities, the, the, the pursuit of the things of God to be what our life is shaped after and conformed to. Quite literally, it is to, to uh, exhibit the, 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 the kind of attributes of God and His grace and His love 
and his kindness. So as those things are borne out in our life, as the life of Christ is reflected in us. So what this declaration is when he says that in Christ we have everything that we need for life and godliness. God is declaring to us, his people, that there is not one situation, not one moment, not one circumstance, not one situation that you or I will ever face that he has not made provision for us us to live and respond in a godly way in the midst of them. We need to be reminded of this because we live in a world where we sometimes feel like we are just being dragged over the coals. There are days where where we feel like we are being pummeled and worn down and we maybe throw up our hands. How am I supposed to live as a Christian in the midst of all this? That's probably what many of Peter's readers were wondering as well as they faced persecution and opposition and imprisonment and some of them even death. He says that his divine power has granted to us everything that we need for life and godliness. So when we're called into the boss's office and told that they're downsizing your job, when we get the call from the doctor's office and they say, could you come in because your blood work showed something that we need to look at further? When we find ourselves struggling late at night after an argument with our spouse, God has given to his people everything that we need for life and godliness. We are not without provision. We are not without help. We are not without hope. Whatever we may face, whether we are at work, whether we are with our family, whether we are in school, wherever we are, he has granted to us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That is, uh, as, as, we, as we grow in our, in our knowledge of him, as we grow in our intimacy of our walk with him, we come to understand his great faithfulness in these things. He has called us to his own glory and excellence. And I love this phrase, verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So how has he made provision for us? How has God provided for us? How has he granted to us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him? As we grow in the knowledge of him, we understand his faithfulness to his word. And as we understand his faithfulness to his word, we discover that his promises that he has made to us are great and very precious when we're struggling, when we're going through things, and we wonder, how am I supposed to keep on going in the midst of this? God has given us his promise. It's been said that God's promises are the assurances that he gives to his people so we can walk by faith while we wait for him to work. That the promises, they're the assurances that he gives to his people so that we can keep on walking by faith while we wait for him to work. Because you know what? There are, there are times that we are in the midst of something and, it, and we can't see what God is doing in the midst of it. 
uh, what God's promises do is they tell us about this glorious and certain hope. They, they tell us about the end. They tell us about the, 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 the goal. They tell us about the final provision. But sometimes in the midst of it, it's like, I don't know how to keep on going from here to there. How do I keep living for Christ and not give up? How do I keep on pursuing Him even with everything else that's going on in my life? And and Peter says, by knowing that in Christ we have everything we need. And we're reminded of the truth of that when we go back again and again and again to His promises. And and they're great because they're from God and, and, and they're enormous in what they promise. But they're very precious in that the more that we lean on them, the more we find them to be capable of sustaining us. God's promises are great and very precious. Keep on walking by faith as you wait for Him to work, because He will work. He is faithful to His Word. His promises will not fail. And what specifically has He promised? Well, Peter draws out two aspects of this. It's not all of the promises, but he, he, he draws out two aspects of the promise of God. He, he speaks in a sense of the future promise and then of, of a promise that is true of us even now today that remind us that in Christ we have what we need. He says, through these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. And so this is speaking about something that is yet to come. There's a sense in which, uh, because of the promise of God, because He has begun a good work in us, that He will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God isn't done with you yet. He is, if you're in Christ, forming and conforming you increasingly into the image and likeness of Christ until that day when we stand complete in Him. So some of us struggle because we think, we look at our lives and think, I am so painfully slow in learning. I mess up in the same areas again and again and again. And we hold again to that promise that He is conforming us to the likeness of Christ. But then the second aspect of the promise that He draws out here is not only that, that, that we may become partakers of the divine nature, but then he speaks about something that is a present reality for us. He says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, I've got to tell you, I wrestle with this statement because maybe I'm the only one, but I don't feel like I've escaped from the corruption that's in the world due to sinful desire. I feel the, 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 the weight and the pressure and the pushing in of temptation all around, all the time. In what sense is this true? How, how is it that we have escaped from the corruption that is in the world due to sinful desire? Well, we need to understand that because of the work of Christ on the cross and through His glorious resurrection and His ascension to glory, because of that, penalty of sin has been paid. It's what we just remembered as we come to the table of communion, that Christ died for our sins. The debt has been settled. It's also true that the power of sin has been broken. That is, that if you're in Christ, you are no longer under its mastery. 
You now belong to Christ. You are no longer under the dominion, the domain, the power of sin. So we are free from the penalty of sin. We are free from the power of sin. But we await that coming day when in His glorious presence we will also be free from the presence of sin. In that place where there is no more sickness and no more pain, no more tears and no more death, we'll be free from the presence of sin. Until that time, we continue to wage war against sin, but we do it having escaped from that corruption because we are not under its mastery any longer. One of the great challenges we face in the Christian life is that we, we, we misunderstand our, our, our place, our identity now in Christ. Many, many Christians will, will say, um, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And that's true, but that's not the whole of that truth. In fact, as we look at the pages of the New Testament, what we see over and over and over again is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are now a saint. You are blameless and holy. You have been made new. You see, the great danger is this. When we, when we identify ourselves as being just a sinner saved by grace, well, what do sinners do? Sinners sin, right? That's, that's, that's the normal activity of a sinner. But if we come to understand that now in Christ, we are saints, we are holy, we are blameless in His sight. Yes, it's true, we continue to wrestle against sin. We continue to struggle with it and and wage war against it. But it is no longer our default. If today you're in Christ, you have been made holy and blameless in His sight. In Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness. But that is not the end of the story. In Christ, we have everything we need. So keep on growing in Him. Uh, So often we we get wrapped up, well, you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I, I, I show up to church. But we kind of become content and settled where we are. That is not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is always going higher up and deeper in. That's what Peter instructs his readers and us as we continue here. Look with me at verse 5. For this very reason. Well, for what reason? Because he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. For this very reason. In other words, uh, God has given you His glorious toolkit. So pick up the tools and use them. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with, with a brotherly affection, and a brotherly affection with love. So we have this list that he gives us here. And you'll notice that he starts off for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with these things. Now, he is not saying here that we have to work for our faith. He's saying having, having by the grace of God, because of his mercy, 
haven't come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't just stay with that simple saving faith and say, well, here I am, I'm going to heaven, so I'm just going to sit back until that happens. But rather, he says, supplement, add to it. Again, as I travel to different places around the world, my, my, my sleep schedule is always crazy, unfortunately. Um, and so one of the things that I do is that I, um, I, I, I take a supplement, you know, like a, a, a vitamin supplement to sort of supercharge my immune system. And, and, and that's the same kind of idea of what Peter has here. He says, okay, so uh, you already have an immune system. You already have a faith. Uh, now make every effort to keep supplement, to, 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 to stir it into action. And how do we do that? He says, supplement your faith. First of all, he says, with virtue. Now, this word can be translated as with moral excellence. Because you see, genuine faith always results in holy living. Genuine faith always brings about a transformed way of life. Make every effort to add to your faith, to supplement your faith with virtue, moral excellence, and and, and to virtue, knowledge. And again, this knowledge is not simply information about the Bible. Uh, This is that idea of an experiential understanding of the God of the Bible. So as we learn the Scriptures, as we learn to stand on His promises, as we experience His faithfulness to His Word, we grow in the knowledge of God. Supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge. Knowledge, He self. He says, with self-control. Of course, this is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is a kind of a, a, an orderliness. A, 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 a can keep on, keep on going. And to that we need steadfastness because this is not something that we're just doing for, for the short sprint. It's something that we're in for the long haul. To steadfastness, we are to add godliness. And we've already talked about that, that growing and conformity to the likeness of Christ, to godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. In other words, what starts kind of as an inward transformation always shows itself out in a transformed set of relationships with others. First of all, within the body of believers, that's what brotherly love is talking about, Uh, but then with love that's talking about more generally to those that we meet to reflect the heart of God to others. And he says, since in Christ we have everything we need, we are to keep growing in him. And he gives the reason for this in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, he, he follows this list by saying, if these qualities, if these things are yours and are increasing, if you are continuing to grow in your walk with Christ in these kinds of ways, and these are representative of uh, other things rather than an exhaustive list, 
He says, if that's the case, then you will be safeguarded from being unfruitful or ineffective. But there's a problem. There's a problem if we forget. Because, because if we are not growing in our walk with Christ, if, if we don't realize that in Christ we have everything we need, if we profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then do nothing with it, he says, it's kind of like you're blind or nearsighted, having forgotten that you have been cleansed from your former sins. In other words, then you lose sight of what it is that Christ has done for you. You're in a dangerous, precarious place. In Christ, we have everything we need, so keep growing in Him and don't forget what He has done for you. The fact that Christ died for our sins, that He rose again from the dead, that we have new life in Him is not just like Christianity 101 that we then graduate past. It is something that we must return to again and again and again and never lose sight of because everything else flows from that. How about you? Have you grown forgetful? Are you today in the same place in your walk with Christ as you were a year ago, five years ago, 15 years ago? He says, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities... Going back to that list, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How are we, more, how are we diligent to confirm our calling and election? Well, it's not that we do anything to earn our salvation. We've already talked about that. But rather the fact that as we continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we continue to grow in godliness, pursuing Christ in all things, that, that there's a sense in which it bears witness to us and to others of the genuineness of our faith. In fact, Jesus spoke to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, you will know a tree by its fruit. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. He reminds them of the fact that, that we can take great assurance of the genuineness of our salvation as we see the evidence of the Spirit's working in our life as over time, and often it is slow, as over time we are growing more in the grace and knowledge of Christ and being conformed in greater measure to Him. Until that day when we stand before Him, and as it says here, will be richly provided for us an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Perhaps on that day that we might enter in and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Peter closes this opening section of his letter. He says in verse 12, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. 
He says, I think that it is right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter's saying, hey, listen, I'm I'm writing to you stuff that you already know. And as I'm here this morning on whatever we are, July 2nd, I'm, I'm not here necessarily today to bring you new information, though some of what we've talked about may be new to you. But rather, as we've talked about actually all through the service this morning, we need to be reminded because we so easily forget. And so Peter says, I'm going to keep on reminding you of the same stuff. I'm going to keep on reminding you. And when you're tempted to forget, I'm going to remind you again. And, and even though I'm soon to die, I'm going to make every effort so that after my death, you'll still remember. And by the grace of God, we have Second Peter here still reminding us today. So what do we do with this? How do we respond? Well, first of all, we've got to be careful of distractions because we so easily find ourselves in the midst of them. You know, I mentioned um, at the beginning that sometimes my wife Lisa will call me up and ask me to stop at Walmart to pick some stuff up. have a confession to make with you. Um, Often when I'm on my way home and she calls and does that, I'm I'm kind of in the midst of something else. And and so I'm listening, but I'm not really. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yes, dear, uh uh-huh, yep, I'll do that, I'll do that. And so when I get into the story, it's not so much the fact that I, it's not so much the fact that I forgot as the fact that I was distracted by other things. Same thing with my son, Ben. It's not so much the fact that he forgot to tidy his room. It's that other things drew his attention away from that. And every time we step out of these doors after a Sunday morning, we are in that same place. We come, uh, oh, we drink from the Word of God together. We raise our voices in praise and worship, and that's a great thing to do. And we step out of those doors, and all of the shiny lights capture our attention. All of the distractions of the concerns of the week, the one that's past and the one that's ahead, drown out so much. And so we need to learn to guard against distractions. And they're everywhere. Step outside and our phone chirps. And all of a sudden, everything we spent the last hour thinking about is caught up in some social media post about what someone's eating for lunch. We get distracted. We also need to be careful that we deliberately remember. You see, remembering is not just something that is a passive activity. It is a deliberate, intentional act. It's one of the reasons that as we come to the table of communion, uh, uh, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. It's because every time we come, we are participating in an act of remembrance. What are some things that we can build into our lives on a daily basis to remind ourselves of the greatness of who God is? Of who we now are before Him because of Christ. Of His great and precious promises. 
so that we can continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the simple things, and Pastor Rich mentioned about the reading plan, is to make sure that we are diligent and deliberate about setting aside time each day to get back into the Word. Why? Because that's how we remind ourselves of who God is and what He's done for us. And we're led back again to worship. Sometimes it's a matter of when we're in the car of switching off the radio and communing with God again in prayer. Or putting perhaps some of the great hymns of the faith. I know for some, we don't really know a lot of them, but, but, but I would encourage you to go back and to fill your mind with the truths that we find in some of those great old hymns that have stood the test of time. Because again, we remind ourselves. But what about you? What are some of the disciplines that, that you need to build into your life so that you don't forget? Because I know you don't want to be unfruitful or ineffective in the knowledge of Christ. And keep pursuing godliness. Keep pursuing godliness. Remember, if you're in Christ, who you now are. Our culture, everything in our entertainment, everything around us says, do whatever you want. Chase after whatever. Just pick somebody and follow that. Follow some influencer. But as for you, and as for me, keep on pursuing Christ. Become so enamored with the beauty of who He is that our lives, in increasing measure, not in our own effort, but in the provision of the power that God has given to us. Continue to be transformed after His likeness. We're going to travel together through the remainder of this book in coming weeks. But friends, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, know this. In Christ... You have everything that you need. So keep on growing in Him. And don't forget what He's done for you. Father, we thank You for Your glorious Word. We thank You for the provision that we now have through Christ. Lord, as we reflect on the words that we have seen in your word this morning, we confess to you that they are so great it is difficult for us to wrap our minds around these truths. By your Holy Spirit, would you drive them deep within our hearts and minds? Lord, as we go from this place into the routine things of our week. As we go from this place into the distractions that come so easily upon us, would you keep us from forgetting? But instead, would you set around us others who will remind us of your truth, others who will point us back? Lead us with a great hunger back to your word to learn more and more and grant 
that we might continue to supplement our faith with these qualities of which Peter has spoken. Lord, thank you for the life and the salvation that is ours in Christ. May we stir one another up to remembrance and pursue godliness that we would not only be able to take great assurance in our own salvation, but that we would demonstrate the life of Christ before a watching world that desperately, desperately needs to see it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.
indeed, we should remind ourselves again and again and again of how great is our God. Don't forget. Remember, He is great and He is worthy. We thank you for joining us for worship this morning. Uh, I invite you to uh, uh, come again to be a part of our services next week. Uh, Invite a friend. As you go out from here, let's remember his greatness and the greatness of his promise. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful and safe July 4th, or as we like to say in England, a happy rebellion day. God bless you.